So I, I want to talk because we're talking about prayer. And anytime you begin answering questions on prayer, more questions pop up. So, uh, which I've realized is I've gotten several questions from you this week. So let, let me begin with two disclaimers about, uh, about where we're headed in the subject of prayer. And, and here's the first guy. When we talk about prayer, we're talking with limited knowledge. And we just have to come admitting that. We're going to talk about prayer from this side of the sky because we don't know it from the other side of the sky yet, okay? And so what we have to come before confessing is that everything that we know about prayer is simply what God has revealed to us about prayer. We don't know anything about prayer, including how it works and why it works. We, we don't know anything about prayer that God himself has not revealed. You understand me? Okay. And, and, and what that means is that and because we've, we've read the Bible, we, we know it. You read the Bible. There's a lot of stuff that God does not answer about prayer. So we have limited knowledge. And I'm going to tell you this. Even if God gave you all the information you wanted, here's what the truth of Scripture says. It says you couldn't understand it. And so here's what we're going to rest in. We're going to rest kind of in this scripture together uh, as we walk through this series on prayer. And here's two scriptures I want you to go by. Ready? Isaiah 55, 8. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my, uh, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so uh, we're going to begin there. Then we're going to move on. And, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. And so we begin here with the first disclaimer, which is this. Uh, our knowledge about prayer is only in part. And, and, and so all we have is, is God's word. We're going to give you what God's word says in, in its totality uh, on the subject the best that we can. Okay, the second disclaimer is this. The subject of prayer is difficult for some to understand at times because it deals with some really, really big theological truths. Okay? And here they are, uh, primarily. Uh, the providence or sovereignty of God. Okay? The fact that God's all-knowing, all-powerful, and, and, and specifically that God is unchanging. Now, when we looked at the, the, the characteristics of God and we said, what is God like? One of the things we said about God is that God is unchanging. Uh, some people like the word immutable, that, that it is impossible for God to change. But as we studied God, we said God is unchanging. We said that unchanging God is also all-powerful and all-creative. He's always, he's forever unchanging, but yet he's forever creative. And so that's why God, the unchanging God, can say, behold, I do something new. Because he's forever creative. Remember when he, there was no sun or moon and stars, and then God spoke that into being, okay? And so, so we, we, there's tension there, and so there's tension with the fact that God is unchanging and all-powerful, and yet man has the ability to choose in Joshua, where it says, choose this day whom you'll serve. And there's tension there, and you say, how can God be all-powerful in control of all things, and yet man still have some ability to choose? And the answer, according to Scripture, is we don't know. That's the answer. The answer is that evidently those things work harmoniously for an all-powerful God, and we can't quite grasp our minds around it. And somebody that tells you that they've got it figured out, boy, I'd just make sure they don't belong to a cult. I'm, I'm not joking. Okay? Because, because if you can figure out God, then you've done what's Im impossible according to Scripture. Because God says you can't figure me out. Okay? And so here's the deal. Prayer lies right there. In the middle of that tension of an all-powerful God, man's ability to choose, and, and how all those interactions work, we find prayer right there in the middle of that, of that channel of, of, of the mysteries of God, if you will. Okay, That's where prayer lies. Because we don't know exactly how it works. And we don't know how we can ask things of God, and God who is unchanging can answer those things without changing Himself and nature in any way. We don't know those things. But what we do know is that the Bible has given us all that we need. 
And so here's where we begin. We begin here saying, uh, we are going to turn to this book, God's revealed word, his holy word, and we're going to take it um, at its base level meaning as as absolute and complete truth. And we're going to study what scripture says about whether or not prayer works, okay? Our our knowledge is only going to be from this side of the sky, but we're going to take everything God's given us and we're going to look at that together. You guys good with that? Okay, because if you're wanting something magical and, and not biblical, you probably came to the wrong place this morning. All right. Okay, so let's dive in together. Now, having said that, what do you do with this question? Uh, does prayer work? What What do you do? Well, you, again, you dive in uh, for, through the scriptures and it becomes pretty evident. If you read from Genesis to Revelation, uh, the basic answer is yes, 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 prayer works. Okay. <laughs> It, it, it really, really does work. And I, I wanna, I'm going to give you two things this morning and we'll be done. Here's the first. I want you to understand as a Christian that God always answers prayer. God always, that's a big word. God always answers prayer. God always answers prayer all of the time. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. He doesn't say ask and it might be given to you. He says, ask and it will be given to you. He says, seek and you will find. Again, not you might find. Not, not, not you may find. He says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. The point is that God answers prayer. In multiple places throughout the New Testament, Jesus says this. He says, listen, if you believe in me and if you have faith and if you pray in my name, at whatever you ask will be given unto you. He says, we, okay, we're going to answer prayer. God answers prayer. Okay? Pray in my name. God is going to answer your prayers, and unless you think that it's just a new covenant kind of thing, well, that's just a new covenant. Look at the old covenant, right? The old covenant, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will I forgive their sin and will I heal their land? The point is that God is unchanging. And he always answers prayer. He always has. He always will. He will always answer the prayers of his children. Now, here's the deal. God answers prayer three ways. Okay? God answers prayer three ways. No, yes, and later. And, and, and that's a hard thing for us to grapple with, right? Because sometimes God's answer is no. And when that answer is no, that's hard for us to grapple with because we ask God for something or or even tougher for someone, maybe for healing. And and his answer sometimes is no or his answer is yes, but it's not the kind of healing we were praying for. Right. And and that's that's difficult for us to deal with. That's difficult. um, But I want you to see this this morning because this is huge. I want you to see this even when God says no, because God always answers prayer. Even when God says no, that answer is is grace unto us. And I, I, want, I want to show you that it's grace unto you, because maybe you thought that when God said no to your prayer, that God was being a big meanie. I want you to see God's not being a meanie. God is being so gracious unto you when he says no. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians together uh, this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn there if you don't mind. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you or on your phone. So, whatever. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in in verse 7, Paul writes, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, 
a messenger of Satan to torment me. That's a big word. Torment. He's afflicted. He's in agony. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. By the way, that means three occasions. It doesn't mean that Paul just prayed, dear Lord, take it away. Dear Lord, take it away. Dear, He's in agony. On three separate occasions, he pleaded for long periods of time that the Lord would take this away. Okay? Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Ah, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul had an ailment. Now, scholars believe that the ailment could have been uh, multiple things. Some think that it may have been linked to when he was blinded on the road to Damascus. Uh, some actually think that he contracted malaria on his first missionary journey. And that's why he changed his route and went up higher to higher elevations where it's easier uh, to deal with. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is, but we think that it affected his eyes. Uh, and whatever it was, it was pretty painful, painful enough that, that literally it's preventing. And if you can imagine Paul, if it was his eyes, and again, we don't know, but, but here you are, you're trying to, to be an over-shepherd of all of these churches, and you're trying to pour your heart out to them in written word, and you imagine how difficult that is when your eyesight is hurting or failing or, or, or you name it. But, 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 but either way, what we know is there's agony and there's suffering and there's hurt, and he's in the middle of it, and he's, he's pleading with God. On three occasions... He's pleading. The word in, in Greek, it means he's calling God to his side. God, please come. Please help. God, come to me. God, I need you. Please. And it says on three occasions that God's answer, because God always answers prayer, that God's answer to Paul was no. He's saying, God, I, I, I really am asking that you would do this. And God says, no, I know what you're asking for, but my answer is no. Uh, but get this, my grace is sufficient for you. God says to Paul, I'm not going to give you what you want. Instead, I'm going to give you me. And I am more than enough. I am more than enough. See, sometimes God answers prayer and the answer is no. But even when God's answer is no, that answer is gracious because God says, while I will not give you what you want, I'm going to give you something far better. You have me. I am. My grace is enough for you. I am. So we start there. Sometimes God, God's answer is, is no. That's hard for us to deal with. But it's grace still. It's grace still. Okay. Second, like sometimes God's answer is yes, right? And, and I don't really have to tell you a story about that because everybody has a story about sometime God answered yes. And you're like, yes. And it was awesome. And you ask God for something and it's great. And it's crazy because sometimes we ask God for the big things and, and it's yes. And he shows us in these big ways. Sometimes it's the little tiny things, you know, you look for your keys for 14 hours. And finally you decide, oh, wait a second, God's on his throne and he sees all things and he's really big. God, could you please, I'm, 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 I'm at a loss. Could you help me find my keys and like your toddler walks around the corner ding 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 thank you we just say thank you thank you lord thank you right so so we don't have to talk so much about yes we've all experienced the yes the other one that we struggle with a little bit though is when god says later 
Because God always answers prayer, and sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is later. Sometimes, literally, God says to his people, the time is not right for what you ask for. It's not that you're not going to get it, but but either it's not right in my plan, or you're not ready for it yet. And, And I thought this week about Abraham, right? And Abraham and Sarah, and they prayed for kids, and they wanted kids. But I ask you this, do you think that Abraham would have had the faith to go up on the mountain and tie his son on an altar and, and prepare to plunge a knife in his heart if God would have answered his prayer for a child when he was 25 or 30. And I'm going to tell you no. I'm going to tell you that I believe wholeheartedly that Abraham had to be a hundred and know that God had the power to do all things before he could walk his son up a mountain, tie his hands together and prepare to plunge a a knife into the middle of his heart. I believe that Abraham had to have the kind of faith in God that he believed that even if he killed his son, that God had the power to raise from the dead his one and only son. And we see Jesus in that. And God's glorified by saying later, later. Don't be frustrated with God. A lot of times God is working something out for glorious purposes, which you can't even imagine when he says later, later, my child, you're just not quite ready. So we got to start here as Christians. God always answers prayer. God always answers prayer. Here's the second thing I want you to see. And this is going to this is going to be tough for some of you. Man, the hamster is about to start running up in its cage in your brain, okay? It's going to happen. The wheel is going to start turning, and you're going to start thinking things and, and going, this guy's crazy and nuts, but here we go. Number two, I want you to know that according to the Bible, sometimes prayer changes the way that God acts. Now, some of you don't like the word change or change the way he acts, so you, you could say it changes the way he relates, but it's still. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor, I don't understand that. See, that's a powerful statement made in the midst of all this theological tension, isn't it? Because we just said God is unchanging. In fact, we've got a scripture for it up on the screen, Numbers. Numbers 23, 19. And don't, don't go to the next one until I tell you to. We've got to camp here. We gave away the secret in the first service. But there's, all right? Because we like to read scripture in context. You've got to read the second half of this verse. But Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. So, so, so God doesn't change his mind. And so you say, well, wait a second. How, how, can, how can you read that verse and, and then turn around and say that prayer sometimes changes the way that God acts? And, and they're going to say, wait a second. If it changes the way that he acts, it must change his mind. And the answer is no. No, it doesn't, and it doesn't because we have to read that verse in context. Here's the rest of the verse. It says, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? To which the answer, of course, is no. That God never promises something he doesn't fulfill. And this is what I want you to see. This is huge. That, that, that literally means that God uh, is forever faithful. God's for, he's unchanging in his faithfulness. He always keeps his promises. And one of the things that this unchanging God has promised was to hear the prayers of his people. And, and, and so you, you have to grasp the enormity of this. I, I mean, th- th- this is big. God answers prayer. It's part of his character, just like everything else you know about his character. So let's walk through his character. Just a real quick mini lesson this morning, okay? According to scripture, and I just picked a few. You can go back. I mean, we went through like 20 of these attributes earlier on. I'm just going to pick a few. The Bible says God is forever just. He's forever just, right? It says that he is forever righteous. God is always right. He's the most right thing there ever was, 
Right? You, you think something's right as rain. That's him. All right? God is forever loving. He's forever loving. This is what gets me when people say, well, well how, can, how can God be a loving God? Because I read the Old Testament and there's all this stuff in it. I say, wait a second. God's forever loving. That's who He is. He's every bit as loving now as He was then. He's unchanging in His love for humanity. Right? God is good. God is good. God is the best thing that you'll ever know or that you'll ever see or hopefully that one day you'll ever meet. God is good. And God is holy. God is forever set apart. Forever. That's who He is. Those things about Him never change. But just as much as those never change, I need you to see this. Also never changing is the fact that God answers prayer. God forever answers prayer. That's who He is. He's a God that hears the prayers of His children and answers them. That's a promise. And guys, that's huge because this is what it means. The fact that God answers prayer does not mean that God changes His mind. Rather, it proves that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Follow me. The fact that God answers prayer doesn't mean that He changes His mind. Rather, it proves that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is forever faithful. This morning, I just want you to get a little taste of how powerful that is. I'm going to give you some examples of what that looks like and what that means to you. Okay, number one. Means that some victories are dependent on prayer. Means that some victories in your life are going to be completely dependent on prayer. Right? Because sometimes prayer can change the way that God acts. And so I I, I want to show you an example. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, if you don't mind. Exodus chapter 17. Uh, This is the very first battle the Israelites really have to, to fight. You know, they left Egypt and they didn't really have to fight that one. God was there and went before them and took care of the Egyptian army. And and this is now the first battle they have to fight in Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8. And it's with the Amalekites. It says the Amalekites came and, and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua... Choose some of our men and and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I'm going to stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. It's a long time. It's a long battle. It says, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of the uh, of Amalek from under heaven. It says, Moses built an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. Now, someone reads that and they say, Pastor, I don't see the word prayer in there. How do we know that he's praying? Well, verse 16 tells us what he's doing. It says, when he lifts the staff, what, what were his hands doing? They were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. 
Moses was praying. So I, I want you to see this, the very first battle that they enter into. And Moses says to Joshua, you've got to get some men that can fight. And you've got to, they're going to have to take some swords and, and they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to fight these Amalekites. And we know that they're big and mean and hairy and dangerous. But listen, I've got to, I've got to plan. I'm going to go up on the mountain and I'm going to pray to God. And so he goes up on the mountain. I just want you to imagine this for a second because Moses is, I, I believe, a lot like the rest of us. And he begins to pray to God and he says, dear God, I'm, I'm just trusting you for this and I'm, I'm praying for this victory and I think that you're going to go before us in this battle and, and, and just help us defeat our enemy. And, and, and man, Joshua and his men just begin to lay waste to the Amalekites. And I truly believe that at some point Moses thinks, you know what, we've got this. Thanks God, we're done. And he lowers his hands. As, as the leader of the people of Israel, he lowers his hands. He stops praying almost as if, okay, God, you've done your part. Now I'm going to do my part. Now, now we've got this. Now Joshua and the men are going to take over. And the moment that he does, and I want you to see the heartbeat of this, because Moses loved these people. Moses begged God for these people. And the leader is now watching. And the moment that his hands go down, all of a sudden his men begin to get slaughtered. Blood is, is flowing now from the Israelites the moment that he stops praying and then his hands go back up. And I believe at that moment now he's praying a prayer of repentance. God, forgive me for ever thinking that I could do it on my own. God, forgive me for thinking that we had the power. God, forgive me for thinking that we were the ones that were bringing about the victory. God, forgive me for relying on myself. God, forgive me for, for thinking that, that this was mine and not yours. You are the victor, Lord. You are the victor. God, please continue to bless them and so he kept his hands up all day long friends what are you fighting what are the battles that you are waging how are the casualties I'm going to challenge you look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself why are my hands not lifted up to the throne because we're taking casualties on every day. We live in a brutal world. And yet God's people still don't pray. Even when God says sometimes victory is going to happen when you pray. I'm going to ask you God's people why are your hands not lifted up to the throne. Some victories are only going to come that way. So we begin there. That's what that truth means. Secondly, that truth means that there's some blessings that are only going to come our way when we pray. There's some blessings that are just going to be dependent upon prayer. Turn with me now to the book of James. Uh, book of James, chapter 4. James, chapter 4, starting in verse 2. God's word says you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight, but you do not have because you do not ask God. Let me talk to the married folks for a second. Everybody look up here. <laughs> I'm setting you up. Have you married folks tired weary, and you fight over blessings. You fight over finances. You don't have to raise your hand. That'd be awkward in church, wouldn't it? Yeah, we did it on the way to church. And here's the deal. 
Every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father of heavenly lights. There are many things in this world that we have that we didn't ask for. I get that. But here God says there's more. There's more. There's more blessing available to you, but you don't have because you're not asking for me. Jesus said there was abundance in life, and yet I know very few Christians walking in abundance. And I'm not just talking financial gain, folks. But I'm talking blessings from, the, from, from God. And, and so, so here's the deal. Most of us, we spend our life chasing after those blessings. And you know what it does? It does James 4, 2 to us. It causes fights and quarrels amongst us. And so we spend our life either fighting against other people or fighting against our loved ones or fighting against work or fighting against you know our, our past. And we, we, we're tired and we're weary and we're worn out. And God is saying there's another way. And it actually works. You don't have those things because you're not asking me for them. Ask me. I'm the provider. I'm the provider. You see, if prayer sometimes changes the way that God acts, why aren't we praying? Why aren't we asking God for those blessings instead of fighting and quarreling with one another? Now, hear me. I, I say that, and I know how direly close that can run to somebody taking that out of context. So let me tell you what I'm not saying. Okay? I'm not saying all the time prayer changes the way that God works. I'm not saying that. Because all the time it doesn't. God always answers, but it doesn't always change the way that he works. Okay? See, if, if it's all the time we take it and we make it into a business model, and, and if I do A, God will do B. Now, now God is dependent upon me, which is ridiculous. Okay, now I have the power to... It's not, a, it's not about that. God does not obligate it. But God does say there are things you don't have because you're not praying. Victories, blessings. Here's the last one. Now, this one doesn't, this one's not sometimes. This is all the time here. Forgiveness and restoration are dependent on prayer. You know what? Victory and blessing are not the only two things that are, that are dependent on prayer. And, and, and again, I give you that warning because there's that name it, claim it junk out there that says, well, you just name it, you're going to have it. And that's not true because God always answers. But a lot of times his answer is no, because it needs to be. Maybe because it flies in the, in, in the face of God's will. Maybe because it, it, it's no for you because it, he knows what would happen if he answered that. Maybe, maybe it, 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 it's, it's no for whatever. Maybe it's later. Right. God answers prayer, but he answers it how he wants to. But those other people, I'm telling you that it's difficult. And, and so so here's what I want you to understand. This, this little third point, forgiveness and restoration, though, they are always dependent on prayer. You could add always there. First John one nine. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. He'll forgive your sins and he'll purify you of all unrighteousness. Uh, guys, that, that, that's what that's what prayer is. That's what prayer is about. That's the only way we find forgiveness. OK. Now, what do we do with that? When, when you start kind of taking all that in and you say, listen, there are times that God moves powerfully and, and God always answers prayer. And so what, what do I do? I mean, this tension between God that is in, he's unchanging and, and yet he answers prayer. And how, what, where do I find myself? Well, here, here's where I always encourage people to go. Number one, right? It's my favorite application point in months. Go with what you know, Right? Go with what you know and, and, and listen, do we know how God is unchanging and yet still answers prayer? Do we know how that inner working happens? No, we don't know that, right? Do we know why God says yes to some and no to some and later to others? Do you guys know that? Do you all understand that? No, we don't. But what do we know? We know God answers prayer. So go with what you know, right? Pray. 
pray. That's that's the second point, right? Just start praying. Start praying about everything. That's why the Bible says you should pray without ceasing. Because you, you don't know, but God knows. Sometimes prayer... Sometimes prayer changes the way that God acts. I want to give you a great example as I pray through this this week. And, and, and it's a sad example, but it's an example from a man that has a heart after God and understands God probably way better than I ever will. It's, it, it's from David. And you remember David and Bathsheba? And David's up and he sees Bathsheba and, and that's a whole hot mess thing that goes on there. And he becomes an adulterer and a murderer and a liar. Nathan comes to him and sets him straight. He says, you're the man. You are that man. You remember he repents eventually, right? But there was, there was consequence for that sin. He's going to lose his firstborn. What does he do when he gets that news? He prays. David stops everything and he begins to pray and he begins to fast and he puts on sackcloth and he gets on his face and he won't eat and everybody in his house is worried about him. They're saying, listen, you're skin and bones and what's going on? And he, he's just, it's just him and the Lord and he prays and he prays and he prays and he prays and then his son dies. And he gets up and he takes a shower and he gets something to eat. And they say, well, 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 he was here. Why were you? Why were you praying? Why weren't you at his bedside? Why were you praying? And David says one of the most profound statements in all of the Bible. He says, listen, while there was still a moment, while there was still a chance, I just thought that God might. David's saying, you never know. If there's a chance, I should be praying. I should be praying. Can I just say to you, I don't know how you feel about what what you need to pray about. I, I don't know. I, I, I talked to somebody this week and said, well, there are just some things that I feel silly for asking God about. Don't feel silly. If there is a chance, wouldn't you pray? Yeah. So start praying, right? Here's the last one. You got to start paying attention. Because here's the deal. As you begin to pray, God is going to begin to answer And again, some of those answers are going to be no. Some of those answers are going to be yes. And some of those are going to be sometimes. But you need to pay attention because what's going to happen, there's going to be some yeses that you were talking to God about. And you're going to start to think because you're a little skeptical about this prayer thing. Or you had a friend that's skeptical. And you're going to think, well, that's just coincidence. You know what? An English archbishop once said, uh, uh, it's amazing how much coincidence follows people that pray. It's just amazing. So you got to start paying attention. Start paying attention to the things that you're asking God for and, and the way that he's moving. That's a testimony, right? That's a testimony. Friends, I, I hope and I, I pray here. I pray in our world today that Christians in the church would be awakened to the great gift of prayer. I think we've forsaken it. I think we've forgotten it. I think we have not believed in its power. And I think we're seeing the results. We've got a lot of tired, burnout people, have little faith and little belief in God, and the church is making little impact. But if God's people who are called by his name will humble themselves, seek his face and turn from their wicked, wicked ways, he will hear and he will answer. Because God always answers prayer. Pray with me.